we had the idea for Cameo and kind of the last place you'd think you'd have your billion dollar idea. Um, we had it at my grandmother's funeral. Welcome back to another episode of Pile Podcast by No Ramp. I'm here today with an amazing guest, Stephen Galanis, founder and CEO of Cameo. Stephen, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you doing today, Ben? I am doing great. Great to have you on the show. I think a really good place to start would be for you to just introduce yourself. Tell tell the world who you are. That's a big, broad question. Uh, hi, guys. My name is Stephen Glanis, and I'm the co-founder and CEO of Cameo. Cameo is a marketplace where you can book personalized video messages from over 50,000 of the most exciting personalities in sports, entertainment, and pop culture. Uh, we've been at this for seven years. We've created millions of magical moments, and we're having a lot of fun doing it. You certainly are. I can only imagine being on the inside of that. And and how you started Cameo is a fascinating story. One of the maybe not best moments of time in life. Could you tell us a little bit, uh, tell that story that you've told hundreds of times, I'm sure? Sure. We, we had the idea for Cameo and kind of the last place you'd think you'd have your billion dollar idea. Um, we had it at my grandmother's funeral and um, we were sitting in the car it was me and my now co-founder Martin. Uh, Martin was an NFL agent and movie producer. He had flown in for the day for my grandmother's funeral. We had previously done some movie production together with my uncle, who's a pretty big producer in Hollywood. And Martin had had this idea to become an NFL agent so he could find a big kind of defensive lineman with the dynamic personality and maybe backdoor into signing the next rock and getting him in the next Conan, the barbarian or Rambo movie um, that my uncle was producing. So as we're driving, Martin's telling me about this guy, Cassius Marsh, who he had just signed uh, out of UCLA. He had just gotten drafted by the Seattle Seahawks. You know, he's kind of a backup player. He's like a fourth, fifth round draft pick. And, you know, th these were like the Super Bowl winning Seattle Seahawks teams. And he was really frustrated that, you know, despite this guy's personality, he couldn't get him any off the field brand deals. And Martin pulled out his phone just to show me how kind of dynamic his personality was. And uh, he showed me a video where, Brand, where, where Cassius Marsh was congratulating his good friend Brandon on becoming a father for the first time. And Brandon at the time was working at Nike uh, as an executive working with, in, on the marketing side, working with a lot of the biggest athletes in the world, Michael Jordan, LeBron, Kyrie, you know, you name it, he was working with them. And, uh, you know, he was from Seattle and he loves the Seattle Seahawks. So Martin got uh, Cassius Marsh to congratulate Brandon uh, by making a video. And the video went something like this. Hey, Brandon, it's Cassius Marsh from the Seahawks. Heard about your son, Maverick. If he gets your athletic ability, he'll be playing for the Seahawks one day. Go Hawks. And uh, he showed me this video and Cassius is driving, no shirt on, driving in his car in Southern California. And, uh, and Martin showed me this video and immediately like the Eureka moment went off and I'm like, Martin, we gotta, we gotta figure out how to sell those. Um, and, and that's kind of how it all began. Such an amazing story. And you talked about the magical moments that you've created. That was obviously the first one and, and that spark must've been exhilarating. Yeah. And look, one thing about that was, you know, Martin was telling me that 
about this player and that his buddy was a big executive at Nike. And he's like, look, he posted that on Instagram and said it was the best gift he'd ever gotten in his life. And that was a really surprising thing. If you're one of the top guys in you know Nike's athlete marketing department, you're with big stars all the time. Why do you care about a backup player on, on the Seattle Seahawks, right? And if and if that person cared so much, what would someone that never has the access or opportunity to meet the star in real life, what would they think if they got something like that? And when we sold our first video, uh, we saw exactly what that reaction looked like. Um, and that's another story for, you know, for another day. Absolutely. And yeah, that is really interesting, right? Like in all respects, it's on one hand, just like a average thing for someone of that stature to get, but the, what it created is pretty amazing. I'm a big believer, especially in consumer products that, you know, new things don't really exist. Like they're, they're just ends up being like better, faster, new way, like better, faster, uh, cheaper ways of doing things that happened in the past. And in the, you know, the athletes, as we've talked about this over the years and actors and, and musicians, they'd been doing videos like this before cameo, but it was always like for someone in their inner circle, it was like their agent asking if, you know, they could make a video for their kids bar mitzvah montage. It was always things like that, as opposed to, you know, fans broadly having the access to do something like this. And once we found this trigger point of, you know, of making payment a necessary friction, which enabled fulfillment by charging for this and, and finding, you know, doing the math and teaching talent how these videos were actually worth their time to do, uh, that was the big unlock here. That's really interesting. I love that perspective of like, there's nothing really new, right? Like things, technology has to catch up sometimes or a productized version of something that we interact with already on socially. Uh, that, that makes a lot of sense. And I like that perspective a lot. You've said before that you knew from a very early age that you were going to be an entrepreneur. There were, there's no other option, but in others that you've seen, how do you know if someone's meant to be an entrepreneur? Is there something that just defines them? You know, entrepreneurs show evidence of being entrepreneurial. You know, one of the things that I always kind of crack up on and my first real entrepreneurial pursuit started in college um, when I ran a business with kind of like my big brother slash mentor slash, you know, one of my best friends uh, who now is running a really successful tech company in North Carolina as well. Uh, called Teamworks. And, you know, I think anybody that went to Duke at that time would not be surprised in the companies that Zach and I both built. And it's kind of funny when you when the more and more like great entrepreneurs I talk to, it's interesting how many of them when they were in college were the kid that was on campus with the hustle. They were the nightclub, the bar promoter, or they had the t-shirt printing business, or they had the college boxes, or they had, you know, the, the painting of the house. Like there was all, there's always, every campus has those people. And it's crazy how many of those people, you know, they're going to school. So it's not like, oh, I can't make ends meet at all. They're finding ways to kind of hustle and scrap. And once you have a taste of that, you know, I find it's really hard uh, to, to go back into the working world. And that's something that I had to experience. I remember, you know, I had this business in college. I was making hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. And all of a sudden, you know, I go back to Chicago 
uh, after college um, and, and go clerk at the board of trade in Chicago. And I'm making like a hundred dollars a day or less than maybe it might've been $700 every two weeks. I forget. And, you know, I'm literally like getting yelled at to get people coffee and, you know, check their trading cards. And it was such a step down from kind of running this big enterprise in, in college. Um, but so many of the best entrepreneurs that I see, if you go look at what they were doing in college, like they, they were already like being entrepreneurial. Sometimes it's even earlier than college, right? Like I remember you hear so many, so many of these uh, CEOs and founders talk about, yeah, in high school, I sold shoes. I bought yeah, them and for sold sure. them for and, more. and frankly, like I was always so busy, you know, I was a four sport athlete. I was student council president. Like I, I was just so involved with everything, which I, I also think is a good, you know, if you're showing leadership, you're like a captain of a sports team or you're a class president or something like very often, like those people tend to have an entrepreneurial bent to them as well. But, you know, I was not the kid with the lemonade stand. You know, I wasn't sitting on eBay, like flipping, you know, shoes or cards or anything like that. So, you know, and in many ways, like, look, I didn't start Cameo until I was probably, you know, what, 28, 29 years old, you know, especially right now. It's, when I was in college, I didn't really know there, it didn't seem like there was an option for non-technical people. And I'm not technical. I've never written a line of code to start a tech company. Um, and it, it wasn't until later that I felt like that was probably possible for me. So, you know, it was kind of surprising that like I was able to get into tech eventually. That's cool. Yeah. There, there's not a specific background that gets you to become an entrepreneur, but there are signs that show that you can be one. Sure. And you know, there's a test that we used to make everyone at Cameo take when we went to hire them. It's called 16 personalities. And, you know, one of the personality types is entrepreneur. And 3% of the people that take the test have, you know, that personality type. And I think it's good if everybody was an entrepreneur, uh, you know, probably nothing would get done. You know, you need people that, you know, have risk aversion and others and, and entrepreneurs tend to be characterized by their uh, lack of fear of risk and being fine going in the unknown and seeing something in the future and, you know, and, and, you know, bending reality to make it that way. And, you know, that's why I love being around entrepreneurs. I love, I love being mentored by entrepreneurs. I love being, I love mentoring entrepreneurs. All my best friends are entrepreneurs at this point. And, you know, it's, it's just an amazing group of people. Speaking of cameo, you started touching on it a bit. You built in building Camino, you built a very difficult business. And, in, and what I mean by that is you built a consumer marketplace business. That is a unbelievably difficult combo. So you had connections, of course, to start from your family and, and some friends. You still needed to build both sides of a consumer marketplace with the cold start problem, of course. How, how did you end up starting this? Yeah, it was always funny at the beginning when we were telling people about the idea before launch. And, you know, people would say like, oh, so what's this business you're building? And we're going to build a, you know, imagine if Michael Jordan could wish you happy, like wish your dad a happy birthday. Like, wouldn't you love to get that from? And they're like, yeah, like, how do we do it? Or it's like Michael Jordan on yet? No. And then I remember going to athletes and they'd say, you know, how much money are people making on this? You know, what fans are using it? And it's like, well, nobody yet. So you have that obvious cold star problem. But one thing we had deep conviction in uh, is that our marketplace was pretty unique because the supply side of our marketplace had built-in distribution. So 
all the people that we wanted on Cameo. And at the very beginning, we just started with pro athletes. We really tried to narrow the focus. Everyone had hundreds of thousands or millions of followers on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook at the time. So we always believed that those people could turn their followers into our customers for free if they gave them, if we gave them a unique link to put in their Instagram bio or to tweet out um, and let folks know about it. So we really were able to benefit from this virtuous flywheel that we built where we would acquire supply, supply would get on, they would announce they're on Cameo, you know, then you would see that uh, Instagram post, then you would go buy, you know, that athlete for this person that you knew that loved them, then they would take it one step further and then they would share it on their social, there'd be a watermark and then every cameo became a commercial for the next one. And that is really how our flywheel worked. So we were able to scale the tens of millions of dollars uh, before in GMV before we even spent a dollar on marketing. That built-in distribution is really interesting. And something I don't wanna gloss over is the fact that you started intentionally with a specific niche. That's really smart. A lot of these, a lot of these companies that end up failing, they scale too fast or they try to grab entire markets. You went with just the athlete market because you had a unique advantage in relationship creation with a lot of those. That's really smart. Yeah, look, and, and we've screwed this up in other products where we launched, where we built products that we should have started, you know, with the very niche base, but we're like, hey, we have 50,000 talent. Let's roll this out to everybody. So it, it goes both ways. And, you know, I think sometimes uh, the more successful that you get shipping something, like we found product market fit, it's turned out to have worked in many different verticals. We thought that would be true for everything, but it, but it really isn't. And it's a great lesson for entrepreneurs to say, hey, if you can find like a within a very unique uh, niche. And, and here's a really good example. Once we got out of pure athletes, like one of the first verticals that we found product market fit for were reality TV stars. And yesterday, uh, I actually sent out a tweet that I saw our company put out. And it said that since inception, there have been 79,000 cameos created by the Real Housewives, right? Like all the different, you know, all the different women on all the different Real Housewives shows. Like that's amazing. And one of the early communities that really embraced us were these, you know, Bravo, you know, super fan communities. And uh, I remember there was a Facebook group that was like you had to do trivia about, you know, cameo and. Or about the Real Housewives to even get in, and and these women were in these groups sharing cameos, and then more people in the group found it out, and then it became like a norm within the group, and then you know then what happened on the supply side was the demand would be tweeting at people that weren't on cameo and say, hey, like, I want you know Sonia Morgan's on, you know, uh, Luann, why aren't you on? And, and next thing you know, then Luann's joining because people are tweeting at her. So like that is the you know really exciting growth loop that we've seen to to continue to make uh, this a you know bigger and more dynamic marketplace. And in, and there's a lot of companies that fail because they can never get any traction at all. There's also the problem of too much traction. You're growing too fast. There's too many people that want to get onboarded onto Cameo. I, I can imagine there was a time where you were like, this is insane. There are so many people that need to be onboarded. I'm sure you eventually made it self-service, but in the times of like hyper growth, how did you manage that? Um, look, there's some things that just like any company, there's some things we did great. There's some things that we didn't. Um, one of the places, and it's interesting you mentioned, you know, this kind of self-serve. 
Uh, there's always been three ways that people could join Cameo. So number one, we have a sales team here that DMs people on Instagram and, and basically says, hey, do you want to join or find any other way to get in front of them? Secondly, talent can refer their friends. So Ben, if you have another podcast host that you think would be great, you can refer them and, and we give you a percentage of their bookings out of our cut for anyone you refer. And then third, people have always been able to apply to join Cameo. And during COVID, we had just a rush of people that tried to join, uh, apply to join Cameos. It was becoming in the zeitgeist that Cameo was, you know, this booming place and, you know, so many people weren't working. And this is kind of the early days of the creator economy boom. You know, more people were taking this opportunity to try to ease the internet to be a place to make money. And next thing you knew, you know, there were over a hundred thousand people that, you know, got in our queue that applied. And, you know, we had a team of people kind of go, going through and combing and looking at, Hey, is this person big enough, you know, based on like the attributes that we think will be successful because what you don't want to do too is like fully open the floodgates. And then the, the merchandising in the marketplace gets, you know, really hard. You know, for example, if, um, you know, Brian Baumgartner is the most booked person in the world on Cameo historically. But if there's 50 Brian Baumgartners on, you know, how do you find the right one? You know, that becomes a, a search and discovery problem. And, you know, we really, you know, kind of had an iron fist managing and curating the marketplace. And, you know, over the years now, uh, we've watched other marketplaces like OnlyFans, for example, that totally opened it all up and didn't really care how any individual talent was doing, but you know, there are a lot of people that we probably would have said no to that have become massive on that platform. And, you know, now we're playing catch up on that. I guess there's certain things you have to experiment with or have some sort of appetite for risk for and say like, yeah, we're every decision we make isn't going to be perfect, but when you're going through that growth, you just gotta hope for the best. Yeah. And look, we've been, we've been at our best as a company when we're playing offense versus, you know, defense. And I do think there were a couple of years kind of into the COVID boom as we were really trying to think about how do we sustain this? Uh, I think there were a lot of product decisions that we made that were probably uh, more defensive than offensive. And, you know, those are things if I could go back in time, I would, I would reverse. Oh yeah, for sure. I, hindsight's twenty twenty, of course. Uh, thinking about the fa your favorite cameo or undisputed best cameo of all time. Is there one that comes to mind immediately for you? I'll tell you like one of my you know favorite stories. It was Mother's Day probably, I think it was Mother's Day 2020. And I get a message from this guy on LinkedIn totally randomly. He goes, hey, Steven, um, thank you for what you built at Cameo. Uh, it's given so much joy. I just want to let you know that I just bought a Cameo for my wife for Mother's Day and it's the best Cameo I've ever, like, I, I'm sure it's the best cameo that's ever been done. I know you hear this all the time, but I want to send it to you. So this guy sent it to me and it was from a musical artist named Michael Franti. I, I'd never heard of Michael at the time. Uh, I watched the video and it actually was probably the best cameo I'd ever seen. You know, he gets up, he's singing his song, his, brings his wife in, like just the care and the love and the positivity was so great that I ended up buying a cameo for my mom from the same artist for Mother's Day that year. And my mom, again, who didn't know who this person was, it was so good that she cried. So I, I always like to say that everybody's got their favorite cameo, but you know, my favorite, uh, I think Michael Franti does just a, an unbelievable job. I've gotten to meet him. Uh, I actually met him in Miami a couple years ago after COVID and he's just just as good of a guy as he is, you know, on, on his cameos, which is always great to see. 
It's really interesting because when I think about using Cameo, when I've used it in the past, bought it for others, people have gotten them for me, it's, I'm, there's a specific person I'm targeting. And the question is, is that person on Cameo rather than this person's so good, I don't even know who yeah. they are, and the Cameo product is so good that it doesn't even matter who the guy is. It's just entertainment. Yeah. I've never thought about that angle of, of receiving or buying a Cameo. Yeah, look, and, and to be clear, that's not something that we've necessarily proven out, but we've thought a lot about. And there are some marketplaces, like another you know, really interesting business here in Chicago is called Songfinch. And Songfinch is a platform where you know, people can go to book customized songs from musicians. Now the musicians are no name musicians. Like nobody is picking, like they don't know the names of these individual people. The cost of a song is 150 bucks. The artist makes half, the company makes half. And I think there's upsells that maybe get it to 250 bucks, but you know, not, not like a super, you know, high AOV, especially thinking about all the time it takes, like how much more time it takes to make a personalized song than it does to get on and make a cameo. But the thing that's I find amazing is that there's enough supply here. And what they've done is they've come in and you say, okay, Ben, I need to get a song for my friend, Ben, you know, I want it to be rap. I want it to be upbeat. And like, you basically click all these things and then it'll give you like six different artists that you can pick from and you can listen to some of their samples and then pick the one that works for you. And, you know, I found that to be uh, just a really interesting concept because we have so many talent on cameos that really are hidden gems. Like, we know how good their content is, but maybe, you know, they're not as famous as other people or they're not who's being searched. And, you know, do I think there's a market for people that, hey, I just want the best cameo or the funniest cameo or the most inspirational cameo? Uh, yeah, I do. But, you know, it's, it's a nut we haven't cracked yet because mostly we've been relying on supply getting their own demand. There's other things you have been focusing on, though, that really interesting product extension. I'd love to hear more about. Uh, Cameo for business and Cameo for kids specifically. Please tell me about these. These are fascinating. You know, when we think about all the ways that talent could monetize on the internet, there's really four main ways that talent do that. First, there's digital goods, which Cameo is, is a digital good. Something like Cameo Kids is a digital good. And I'll get into what Cameo Kids is in a second. Uh, secondly, talent make money from brand deals. Uh, Cameo for business is uh, our way to connect uh, you know, tens of thousands of brands with tens of thousands of the most interesting people in pop culture to get them to create bespoke, personalized content endorsing their brand. So um, imagine being on TikTok and seeing a direct-to-consumer ad with a celebrity. Uh, we make a lot of those. So different firms will come to us and, you know, and, and ask us, hey, here's the type of campaign we're doing. Can you find people that'll make content for our Instagram, TikTok, or Snapchat ads? So that's Cameo for Business. You know, talent can make money from physical products. Uh, and we own represent.com, which is a leader in celebrity merch. And then fourth is subscriptions. Uh, so that would be like kind of Patreon OnlyFans. Uh, we've tried a subscription business that hasn't worked because of the Apple, you know, 30% Apple tax on top. So we couldn't ever really make the unit economics work because Patreon's like a 5% you know, take rate and OnlyFans is 20. And if Apple's taking 30% off the top, you know, we can't really make money, you know, and it's worse for talent, even if we take a 0% cut. So these are all things that at the end of the day, um, you know, we, we've watched. And as we've thought about, 
these different monetization strategies, we have uh, really leaned into both the B2B side and then Cameo Kids. And Cameo Kids is our first foray into using uh, AI, where we actually bring the voice actors in, we get them to record a voice model. We then work with uh, animation that gets synced in through AI. So basically you type and then you know we bring these animated characters to life. And this is a really exciting development. Um, and you'll continue to see over the rest of the year, um, you know, many really premium names uh, and, and top, you know, kids IP coming and, and joining the Cameo Famio formally. Uh, but it, it's really exciting. Cameo Famio, I love that. In terms of AI, I'd love to chat about that quickly. I can see the advantages of AI there, obviously for the for the kids being able to type yeah. in um, words for voices. Does it also scare you? And and what I'm thinking about, the first thing that comes to my mind is the talent using AI, which which could degrade their content a little bit. I don't know. What do you what do you think about that? Look, AI is here. It's going to be here. Um, you know, we've been really thoughtful with our approach for it. You know, there's companies out there that are trying to be the AI version of Cameo. And look, there are some advantages of it. If you're a talent and you, you know, end up signing up with a company to create, you know, a synthetic version of yourself, you know, you could charge $5 or $10 and people could buy an unlimited amount and you have no work to do, right? So that becomes a passive income stream. And while most artists and, you know, actors today are pretty resistant of it, there will be some that like do this to become successful. Like it, it's going that way. That's at a cameo. Authenticity has always been uh, a part of our mission. Our mission is to create the most personalized and authentic fan experiences on earth. And the way that we think of authenticity is the real thing. You know, when you see a cameo watermark, you know that it's the real person. Like that's so core to what we do. And I think there'll always be a market for that. And when you look at the memorabilia space, like, people always pay a premium for, you know, something that is like certified as authentic. And I think that'll continue in our business. That said, I think there are really interesting applications with AI to work with talent. For example, you know, we've been approached over the years by the estates of famous deceased people, right? Like what if we could bring Madonna back or what if we can bring James Dean back or what if we could bring, you know, Gilbert Gottfried, who is the number two person all time in cameo earnings, who passed away last year, unfortunately, like, is there a way to use AI to bring them back? So, you know, people that love him can continue to enjoy his content and his family and descendants can enjoy an income stream. So that's the type of place where like, you know, we haven't committed to go that direction, but that's, that's where I see the puck going for sure. And, and I do think that there's a lot of really interesting applications to the technology as far as like how we could use them but you know, we we also never want to do anything that makes the talent feel like we're trying to put them out of work. You know, we're not we're not uh, building an autonomous vehicle, you know, thing, and and you know, making our fleet of uh, drivers worried about their long term jobs. Uh, you know, talent is our lifeblood, and and we want to use this technology insofar as it supplements what they're able to do and how they're able to earn a living. Don't feel like competing with Uber or, or any autonomous vehicle companies that are out there? Nope. Yeah, yeah, I don't blame you there. <laughs> In terms of the moat that Cameo has, obviously with the celebrity you have, that's celebrity, the amount of celebrities, athletes, musicians, etc. That's obvious, right? 
what I'm curious about is on the engineering technical side of Cameo, where do you think your moat is there? I mean, we, we really have, um, as far as the technology, look, it's not that the technology that we've built is the most complex you know, technology ever, uh, but really where the moat comes in is like, we've been able to aggregate demand, which no other you know, celebrity marketplace in the world that does what we do um, has been able to do. Like millions of people come to Cameo um, every month and, and people know what Cameo is. And we were very deliberate about the concept of category creation. And we really wanted to be the category king of what we were doing. Um, so when you see a video like this, people call it a cameo now, whether we made it or not. I can't tell you how many people are like, oh, I was at this you know, wedding or this bar mitzvah. And you know, there was a cameo from Michael Jordan. And I'm like, we've never had Michael Jordan on. I don't know how they got that. But, like, but people see the, this type. They see a personalized video message. And that format is now like kind of called a cameo, right? Which is a huge, it's a huge moat, you know, from the technology side, you know, one thing that's interesting is we're on the talent's phone. We're not on their agent's phone. We're not on their manager's phone. So that direct access is, you know, pretty unprecedented. Um, you know, I would also say that, you know, we have built a lot of things that have just made this so much easier. There are talent that have at, they're on Cameo, but at different times they're like, Hey, I, I know I could do this by myself. So they set up a website and, you know, they try to drive people to their website and go do these videos on their own. And, you know, the the hundred, you know, the hundred plus million dollars that we've spent building an elite team and building an elite product has made it so easy that like anybody can make a cameo. It's like the easiest product experience ever for, for talent. And that's really where like our boat is. Even with no like unbelievable technical use case or, or some brand new technology you're creating, You've enabled distribution and reach and extreme brand recognition. This new like digital signature, this digital um, autograph, as you would call it, is it is a cameo. Like they say, I'll go Google it. I'll go get my Kleenex. These are brands that we refer to as actions. Uh, it's pretty cool. I never thought about that. That's that is that is a massive. Amount. That's why, like you know this company has been on the Simpsons. Like, it, you know, it's, just, it's been in Doonesbury. Like it just, it's hit a nerve in pop culture and it's in the zeitgeist. Yeah, it certainly has. And my last question is around talent owning their audience. You've talked about this in another interview. And I thought yeah. this was really fascinating. You're, you're a creator business. You work with creators every single day. They're like, oh, there's all these companies are taking all my fees. I, I'm creating this content. Is this something that Cameo is planning to solve or build out upon something in, in regards to like direct to fan monetization? What, what's Cameo doing to when thinking about this? Look, for years I've been, I've been, you know, really steadfast in my belief that, you know, direct to fan monetization is the future of entertainment. Um, the writer's strike is a really good example right now. 86% of Screen Actors Guild members didn't make enough money last year through the industry to cover their healthcare benefits, to, to qualify for their healthcare benefits. And that's $26,500 a year to hit that threshold, right? So it's not a lot of money. So in a world where there's an exponentially uh, exponential amount of new fame in the world, you know, TikTok, SoundCloud, Instagram, YouTube, like people are, new people are blowing up every single day. The business models supporting fame are growing linearly, not exponentially which means that people are gonna to need to find 
new and novel ways to go direct to their fans to monetize. Uh, I deeply believe that Cameo is one of many businesses that is proving that out. Um, and, you know, I've been on record for a long time saying that I believe the most valuable business in the creator economy will be the company that allows, you know, uh, talent and creators to own, not rent their audience. Because this way, if an algorithm shifts, if, you know, they get canceled for some reason, if they decide to leave a platform or their account gets hacked, they don't lose everything that they've had. And, you know, we've tried it. A lot of companies have tried it. Nobody's nailed it yet, but someone's going to build a huge business, you know, on that premise. I couldn't agree more. Owning, not renting your audience. That's huge. And I mean, I've seen the cool companies that are kind of, you can buy a stake in your favorite creator's future success. I think that's cool. Maybe that's something Cameo is going to look at. I don't know. There's a lot of interesting iterations on that, but I'm most focused on the distribution. Yeah. No, I, I don't blame you there. It's what you've mastered, right? We try. I don't know that you've ever mastered anything, but we that's what we aspire to master. They say you, you master something when you spend 10,000 hours on it. I think you've probably done that, right? I have definitely spent more than 10,000 hours on Cameo. For sure. <laughs> that's for sure. <laughs> Steven, this has been a ton of fun. Really enjoyed the conversation. Is there any question I didn't ask that you would have liked to have been asked? Look, I think we had a really good talk here. Um, you know, I, I, there's nothing else that I, I think we didn't cover that uh, is, is super relevant. I think this was a great conversation. Love to hear that. Steven, thanks so much. Really appreciate the time and I hope you have a great rest of your day. Great, thanks. 